encouraged and you enjoyed those songs that we sang tonight, someone give us a testimony. If you were encouraged, if someone encouraged you today, um, would you give us a testimony how someone encouraged you today? Is anybody, was anybody encouraged today? Nobody was encouraged? Wow. Yes, Marsha. Great. Kevin, would you come here? You don't have to say anything. I just want you to take your wife for an ice cream cone. You need to encourage her. She didn't say anything about you encouraging her today, so I'm trying to help you, brother. Okay, amen. Somebody else, who was encouraged today? Yes. All right. Well, come take your wife to get an ice cream cone. <laughs> All right. Somebody else. Who else was encouraged by someone today? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, here, take your husband for ice cream. Yeah. No, like, let the nursery workers stay till 9 o'clock while you go have a date, <laughs> since they're so awesome. Who else? Who's been encouraged today by somebody? Great testimonies. Who else? Anybody? Yeah. You're encouraged by the music? Amen. Are you by yourself? Get an ice cream cone. You want two? Okay. Oh, that's the Dave Ramsey guy right there. Yeah, that's two. I'll take two. Yeah. <laughs> Always ask for two coupons. Yes. All right. But I haven't, I haven't, that's a, that's a ploy to get a free ice cream cone. And for that, it works though. So I'm going to give you two. <laughs> Somebody else. You were encouraged today. He listened to you? You don't want one? You, you know what? You can encourage someone by giving someone two ice cream cones. You want them to have them? Okay. There you go. All right. Somebody else who was encouraged today? Anybody? All right. Who encouraged someone today? And give us a testimony how you encourage someone. Were you an encouragement to anybody? See, half the people that weren't encouraged weren't because you weren't an encouragement to them. Who encouraged someone today? Yes. Awesome. Larry, come on up. Take your wife for an ice cream cone. You're welcome. Somebody else, who encouraged someone today? Everyone should be standing for that. No, no, you, don't. you can be like Jim, give it to someone else. Somebody else. I've got a few left. 
You don't want to encourage us by how you encourage the parks? Something's going on there. Who'd you encourage? Uh, but tell us how you were. You don't want an ice cream cone? You do. She does. Look at that. No. Give it. Give it to somebody. All right. All right. Somebody tell us who shared the gospel with somebody today. Anybody? Anybody share the gospel with someone today? Even if they didn't get saved, who shared the gospel with someone? Give us a testimony of where you were. Quick testimony of sharing the gospel. I know everyone had their hand up for that. You just want to be humble, I know. Pick this up. Not today. Check his head. Is he running a fever? Anybody? Yes. Remind me the baby's name, Quinn. Um, I mentioned on Sunday in the second service, Quinn, um, one of the twins, twin babies, um, they had to go in for surgery and take out, um, I guess, all of the small intestine now. And so if you'll pray for Quinn, um, so she'll be in the hospital for several weeks. And so pray, pray that um, God would use this opportunity for somebody to share the gospel and they can find hope. All right. You get to take your husband out for ice cream. Anybody else you want to share with us who shared the gospel today? All right. Did anybody share the gospel with you today? How many of you, how many of you, somebody has ever approached you or offered you the gospel? Any, anybody? You know, the, the sad thing is, I think twice in my life, I've only had two people in my life actually approach me and try to share the gospel with me. Two times in America. Hmm. So, all right, let's, uh, let's get into our Bible study. We, um, we, we are in our... Uh, I don't know, I think it's our third week or so, and, and we're looking at discipleship. And what I wanted to do is take an opportunity to um, just spend a few weeks on this topic of discipleship. I'm really excited about um, our church, the Life Coach, and there's people right now that are meeting on our property and offices in different places with one-on-one -on -one with someone, and we, we call it discipleship. But, you know, discipleship isn't necessarily a program. Sometimes if we're not careful as a church, 
we can, you know, we have a, a soul winning night. And so we, we might go out on a soul winning night, but then we don't witness the rest of the, the week. Or we might have a discipleship program when really giving the gospel out is, is just an everyday, should be an everyday occurrence for us as believers. And discipling should be a normal thing for Christians. And we, we have um, in our church this program we started called Life Coach because a lot of people don't know where to start with discipleship. You know, what, how do I engage someone in this? But it, what is very important for us to recognize is that one way for someone to um, grow in their faith, stick with it when trials come and the burdens of life come, and, and be what God intended them to be after salvation, is for someone to walk alongside of them and, and teach them. They, they say this, there's more, there's more Baptist in the Mormon um, uh, cult, um, and the reason why is um, Baptist churches, churches of a like faith or Bible churches, you know, churches that are um, um, soul-winning churches do a good job at getting the gospel out, but then we leave people. And now once somebody is truly saved, evidence of someone being saved is they're hungry for Scripture. And, and uh, these other groups may come along and offer them, hey, let me take the Bible and show you how to understand the Bible. And they've not been properly grounded in the Word of God, and so they can follow um, false doctrine and, 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 and cults. And so we, we as Bible believers, we, we need to, and I think every church in America, every church in the world, true New Testament church, ought to strive um, uh, to, to do better in the area of discipleship. And so we've seen, uh, we've seen um, over the last couple times that we've met, um, that I've been here, we've seen the discipleship first requires that we understand it is a command. Go, teach, and baptize. It, it is a command. It wasn't a suggestion, but we call it the Great Commission. It was a command by God, uh, by, by Christ to his disciples to take what you've learned and now go, go teach somebody else. Let somebody else be grounded in their faith like you are in your faith. And, and throughout the New Testament, you could find it. Um, uh, the, the older ladies are, are, are taught to, to um, uh, minister to and, and, and disciple the, the younger ladies in the church. The elders in the church, the, the men are, are, are commanded and, and taught to, to disciple the younger men in the church. And, and what better way for us to continue to be sure that the gospel continues to go forth is, is to take a personal interest in another person's life in this area of discipleship. In understanding this, it is a command. It's not a suggestion. This is what the local New Testament church, the body of Christ is supposed to be doing here, right now, in 2019, in Monclova, Ohio, in Toledo, we are supposed to be aggressively getting the gospel, discipling, seeing people baptized, and grow in their relationship with Christ. And then we looked at, secondly, it requires a focus. Our focus, in order for us to do this, we have to, uh, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, the seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so we've got to be sure that our focus is on, on, on heaven. We, we, we can get so busy. How many of you, honestly, you've ever gotten so busy in your life that 
it's not that you, you put aside your faith in the principles, but you didn't think much of your Christianity or your walk with the Lord because you got so busy that day. You can get busy parenting. You can get busy working. You can get busy um, uh, in hobbies. I mean, we can get busy in all good things that we, we don't do the best thing. And so we need to make sure that our focus is right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so if we're constantly seeking the kingdom of God, then we're understanding then our responsibility is to make disciples. And so this evening, though, I want to look at this thought. And uh, throughout the scripture, we'll be in several passages tonight. I want to look at the thought of, 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 of the commitment that it takes. And so maybe it's not, maybe it's not that you... Maybe you don't argue that it's a command. I need to do it. Maybe you say, I realize it's a focus and I'm focusing. But, but where some struggle with is the commitment that it takes to disciple. Because it's hard work. It's very difficult. We, we, uh, when I was in, when I was in um, school, they, we could, you could credit a, uh, take a class for credit or take a, a class, they call it auditing a course. How, how many have ever audited a course before. Anybody? We had a guy in our class, and I don't remember what class it was in, but it was an older fella, and so we're all younger guys and girls in a, in a class, and the older fella is in, like, like you know, he was, he was really old. He was probably like in his 30s, you know, because we were only 18 at the time, um, and, and he was there in that class, and he was auditing this class, and it was so funny because we were always mad at this guy, and the reason why we're mad, Dave, is because we had to do all the work. He was there just for the information. And anytime we had to do the work, you know, the te- he never had to take a test. He never had to do the project. At the end of the class, there was always a paper that was due. He never had to do the paper. And so I just didn't understand, you know, at that time, I thought he was getting away with something. Because he was there for information, and we were there for not only just the information, but also when you credit something, there's requirements that go along with that credit. And, and I thought about that because Christianity can be the same for people. Some of us, if we're not careful, we want the information, but we don't want the work that, and the requirement that goes with it. We, we'll come to church and learn about God and learn about the Word of God, but that's the extent of how deep we go. Because there's work and requirements that go into it. Now, I want to I make sure that we're clear with this. Romans 3.24, go, go over there with me if you would. Um, we're going to turn to several passages of Scripture tonight, so um, just stay with me. And, 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 and I want to show you, um, not just give you the passages here if you'd allow me to do that tonight. Romans chapter number three, in verse number 24, um, we find the Bible says, uh, being justified freely. You see that word freely? By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So is there any requirements that we have to do for salvation? No, it's free. Salvation is free. Go to, go to the book of Ephesians, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter number 2. Let's see what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. When he was speaking of salvation, um, he, says, he says this, um, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift 
and not of yourselves. It is, a, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible is very clear there. We, we, we don't teach, we don't believe our doctrine that we, we believe is, is salvation is by, by faith through grace. It's, 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 it's a work that Christ did, nothing that we do. Okay, So when I say to you, many Christians like to audit like the information but not the, the work, the credit of the class, I, I say they're already Christians, they're already saved. It's not working to get your salvation and it's not working to keep your salvation. That's not what we're speaking of uh, when we talk about discipleship. What we're talking about is a person is saved for eternity by faith alone in Christ Jesus. We're, we're, we're clear on that. Discipleship, though, when the Bible talks about discipleship, though, it also speaks of a cost. Christ paid all the cost for our salvation on Calvary, just like we sang this evening. But discipleship, there is a cost to discipleship for us. Salvation is free. But if we want to follow Christ and, 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 and lead others in their relationship with Christ, because discipleship requires responsibility. And, and would, you, would you get that thought down in your mind, in your heart? It, it's a command. It takes a clear focus, but it also requires a responsibility. And none of that, what I'm saying tonight, should scare us off from doing this by, by discipling. Salvation by faith apart from works, Romans chapter 4, James chapter 2. You become a disciple by a uh, uh, faith that does works. Um, many, many people in James, and let's actually go there. Go to the book of James, if you would. Many people look at the book of James and they confuse it um, with a works-based salvation. But I want you to see, uh, and we've, I've taught through the book of James, um, and so I'm not going to get deep into it here. I just want you to see that James, is, he is speaking to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Um, and he says this in verse number two. What does he say? My brethren. Right? So he's speaking to save people. He's not speaking of how to be saved what he's speaking is to people that are already saved. In, in James chapter 2, he speaks of a, a faith without works is, is, is dead. Um, uh, James chapter 1, I'm sorry. James 1, look with me in verse number... Uh, somebody tell me there. Let's look at verse number 19, okay? Uh, verse number 19 of chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath... For the, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and um, superfluity of naughtiness and, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Faith without works is going to keep your faith dormant. Now, we, we as Christians, we should live by faith. When we don't put our faith into practice and we don't exercise our faith, our faith becomes dormant. So we're saved. We don't, that's not the issue we're speaking of, and that's not what James is speaking of. James is, is speaking of this, now that we are saved, we ought to be working. Um, and so there is a responsibility in discipleship. There is a responsibility, and there is work that is required 
for every single believer. Every, every Christian, everyone that is a believer in Christ should realize that there's work that's involved now that you're saved. Not work to be saved, not work to stay saved, but work because you are saved. I, I, I said this, and I don't remember if it was today or, or Sunday, but I challenged the group that I was speaking with, if we don't give the gospel and teach people the word of God, who is going to? Who's going to? If, if we don't share the gospel in our community, in our world, who is going to? Where else are they going to hear it if a believer that is saved isn't bold enough to do it? And if somebody is going to be grounded in the word of God and somebody's not willing to do the work to teach someone, who is going to teach them? Look with me in Luke chapter 14, if you go there, please. Luke chapter 14. Everybody awake? Is it hot in here? Slim. You falling asleep? It's hot. You got coffee. Help these people out, Slim. Don't let them fall asleep. All right, Luke chapter 14, in verse number 20, um, 20, 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, look with me in verse number 26, Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, discipleship requires a commitment. God saves you and keeps you on earth to represent the kingdom of heaven. If all God was after is your salvation and once you're saved, he'd take us home. Because God's, his goal is to what? To reconcile a sinful human race back to himself so that we can bring glory and honor to him for all of eternity. So then why does he leave us here upon this earth? You know why he leaves us here upon this earth? For one reason is the Great Commission, to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, uh, teaching them to observe all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That is the goal of every single believer. It doesn't change. Now, we, we, we are parents, and we, we, we have all kinds of titles, and, and if we're not careful, though, what we'll do is we'll spend our life here upon earth after salvation doing all of these other things when God's intent was for us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and do what? Make disciples here upon this earth. That's our responsibility. But it requires this great, this, this great commitment. And, and we, need to, we need to realize this. Now that we're saved, we're citizens of heaven but we can't be satisfied being a citizen when we're called to be representatives. What do, what do I mean by that? We're satisfied in our salvation that one day we're going to be in heaven for all of eternity. I'm a citizen of heaven. We're excited about that. But we're, not, we're called to something even greater than that. We're called to represent heaven. Paul said what? That we are now what? Ambassadors for Christ. Every single one of us are now called, citizenship is wonderful, 
But to be an ambassador or representative, we're supposed to now represent heaven here upon earth. Who represents heaven upon earth? The believer does. How do we do that? By living our life, heaven in focus, seeking first the kingdom of God, in, in being that ambassador to everyone we come in contact with. Now, we understand this. Every single person you come in contact with, God's desire and his will for you is for you to be their, their ambassador of heaven. If you think about that, that means every single person you work with, your responsibility is to teach them heaven. Every single person that you live in your neighborhood, you know what your responsibility is? Teach them heaven. The people that you think that it's just by coincidence that we run into, you know what your responsibility is? Is to teach them of the kingdom of heaven. And if we're not careful, Christian, the people we teach the least about, now we tell them I'm saved, but we, we have to live out what the kingdom of heaven is to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to every single person that we have the opportunity to come into contact with. That is why God still has us as believers here upon this earth. We're citizens but we're representatives. And it comes with a commitment. There, there's, there are cultures today that people, they lose their families, they lose their homes, they lose their status when they begin to follow Jesus Christ. One of the stories that I, I saw on a video of, of a young girl in India when she got saved, and I think I showed it a couple years ago, um, on a Sunday evening, a, a woman, uh, a young girl got saved, and when her father found out she got saved, he began to beat her, and then he began to, to put her out as a prostitute in the community to punish her for being a follower of Christ. And all she had to do was just renounce Christ. Her father and brother would beat her and Finally, they just took her to the police station there and dropped her off at the police station and told the police officers there, here, she's yours. You can have her do whatever you want with her. I don't want her anymore. And so she went through all of this pain and all of this physical pain, emotional pain, horrible situation, only because she accepted Christ. And she wasn't willing to be secret with her faith. She never had to tell her father. She never had to tell her brother that she was a follower of Jesus Christ. She could have been an undercover Christian. But she understood this. She understood the word of God, that her responsibility is to be a, re a representative. She could take her faith and hide her faith and never tell anyone her faith, but then no one she knew would ever have the opportunity to trust her Jesus. And so what she understood is that there's a cost to the gospel. There's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to telling. The wonderful thing about that story, and, 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 and it brings you to tears when you hear her personal testimony of this, later on in life, her brother gets saved and her father ends up getting saved and God restores that family and she forgives them. 
and probably forgiving them for what they did to her was probably one of the hardest things that she ever did. But she forgave them. Why? Because she was a representative of heaven. And that's what Christians do. And I think if we're not careful, in the cultures of the world that we live in today, there are people that it costs them something. But we live in a free country, and really it doesn't cost us anything to be a Christian. In, in the New Testament times, in the early church, in the book of Acts, one of the reasons that so many of the, of the Jews in the day of Pentecost, so many Jews were from around the world came to the day of Pentecost to celebrate. And the reason why they stayed in Jerusalem is because they weren't welcome to go back to their, to their land that they came from, from all over the world, because they had to give up their pagan culture. And in those days, when you, when you gave up your religion... You gave up your home. You gave up the family business. You gave up your livelihood. You were an outcast. And that's why the church in Jerusalem had so many people that now there, what do we do with all these people that are from all these other parts of, of the world? We have to let them come into our home. We have to house them. And the cost, the cost for discipleship was a cost both ways. It was a cost for those that were being saved that wanted to, to, to stay grounded. It was a cost for those in Jerusalem that uh, did know Christ because they had to give up their home and give up, give up things, right? In Acts chapter 2, we looked at that Sunday where they, they sold all their possessions and had everything in common. Why were they doing that? Because they understood that discipleship, Christianity, is one-on-one. -on -one. It's life-on-life. -life. This is the plan that God has. There's commitments, though. And let me give you, let me give you two, two commitments to being a, a disciple. Number one, you have to come to him. You can't be a disciple of Christ unless you've come to Christ. Number two, it's you've got to carry your cross. Look with me, if you would. Go to Luke chapter number nine. You with me? Is it cooler in here now? Are you better? Did it wake you up? All right. You thinking about ice cream? All right, Luke chapter number 9, verse number 23. We find this. And he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him what? There's a cost. Let him deny himself. And what? Take up his daily. Get saved every day? And that's not what he's talking about. I'm not talking about every day having to get saved. What he's talking about is taking up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And so there's a responsibility to carry your cross. Look with me, if you would, to, in John, go to John chapter 19. Would you go there with me? John chapter number 19. Look with me in verse number 17 of John chapter 19. This is Jesus. And he bearing his cross went into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. In, in, in verse number 19, look, uh, uh, let me see here, John Look with me in verse number 17. Um, in, being, in bearing his cross, oh, I'm sorry, in verse number 19, I'm sorry. 
Verse number 19, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. What was the significance of that? It was to bring shame. You see, the carrying led to a rejection. When the people saw him carrying that cross, it was a rejection. It was a, it was a form of shame. Knowing he's going to be crucified, Pilate then puts this, this public display um, of, of on his cross. This is his, this is his penalty. This is his punishment. He thinks he's something that, that we realize he's not. They didn't believe that he was what Pilate put up on there. That was, that was, that was shame. And, and if you want to be a disciple, you, you have to be willing to carry your cross. And, and, and what, what, is, what does Scripture mean by that? Think, think through this and mark this down in your heart. Your cross is the price tag that comes with your public identification with him. Your, your cross is the, is the tag, that price tag that comes with your public identification with him. By carrying that cross, you are identifying yourself every day as a disciple of Christ. And that doesn't sit well in society. Especially doesn't sit well, and it hasn't for all um, uh, since the church, but even in society today, Christians keep your values to yourself. You know, you, you can be what you want to be, but you have to do it in, public, in private. Christ has called us to, to carry our cross, to identify with him in public that we are a Christian. Every single one of us, if we're going to be a disciple, it is identifying on a daily basis to a lost world, we are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's not easy. If it was easy, we would be sharing our faith. It's difficult to stand in a post-Christian culture and stand in every area for Christ. And I'm not saying for everyone. I'm just saying in general, it's difficult because we don't want to offend. We don't want to be the neighbor that nobody wants to hang around. We, we want to be good moral people. We don't mind that. But, but we don't want to be the, 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 the person at work that, that people mock and make fun of because we're a Christian, because we speak of Christ. And you, you question, a question I have in my notes here is this. Are you accused of being a clear follower and disciple of Jesus Christ? Has anyone ever accused you of being a disciple of Christ? And it may be in a bad way, like in a mocking way. But what better accusation, what better thing could be ascribed to you than somebody saying, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I am, um, my, you speak of the things that you love. Is that not true? When, um, when, I, um, when I first got married, my wife never wanted a dog. We have three dogs now. But I'm saying to you this, it goes past that. My wife has a shirt that says, if you love me, the dogs come with me. Like she has coffee mugs that say things about her and like mushy stuff about her dogs. 
my wife doesn't have a t-shirt with my picture on it. She doesn't have a t-shirt that says, if you, if you accept me, my husband comes with me. She doesn't have a, a mat that says, wipe your paws or, you know, wipe your husband, right? like, wipe your feet on my husband here, you know, so wipe your paws. I mean, everything is dog-related now. When our kids buy her gifts, they buy her gifts that says something about dogs. Like, my kids don't buy her things that say, I, I, my mom loves me. They say, my mom loves dogs, you know? They, and, and, and so the other day, our family's too big to stay in a hotel room, and we're thinking about, you know, vacation or what we would do as a family. And so, you know, there's these, these houses that you can rent. So Michelle is looking on this website, and, 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 and I, I just look over, and I see what she's clicking. She clicks, you know, a pool or whatever, and then she clicks dogs. And I said, we, we could probably just put the dogs in the kennel. She says, I'm not putting our dogs in a kennel. I said, that, that's where dogs belong when their owners go on vacation. Like the owners go away. A part of the vacation is you don't have three dogs. Somebody, somebody cares for them. She says, we're not. And I looked, and, and, and one thing I didn't see checked was available for husband. I mean, she, it, it, that wasn't there, but check for dogs was there, you know? She comes in, and, and, and my wife has never come in the house and said, oh, Jeremy, how are you doing? Are you, oh, where have you been, and how was your day? She comes into the house, and that's what she does. She's gotten to a place where I know that my wife loves her dogs. You know how I know? She acts like it. She talks about them. She sends me pictures. Never will I ever let a dog in my car. The dog goes with her in the car now. The kids drop a French fry in the car, and they're going to get in trouble. Get out and walk. Dogs get dog hair in the car. No big deal. We got a vacuum. Listen, what I'm saying is this. You talk about, you care about, you tell people about, you wear things. When somebody steps into your life and sees how you do life, you know what they notice? What you love. In a disciple, someone that is discipling, somebody that is willing to take the cost, somebody that's willing to carry their cross and follow Christ, everyone around them sees they have a love and a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. They have to take him everywhere they go. They speak of him. They praise him. They give him credit. They bring him glory. And all of that comes with a cost. A disciple wisely, lovingly, and appropriately makes it clear that you're a Christian in every area of their life. Let me, let me say that again. A disciple wisely, lovingly, and appropriately makes it clear that they are a Christian in every area of their life. And it does come at a cost. A disciple isn't simply one who believes in God. Look with me in James 2.19, and I'll show you why I say that. James, go back to the book of James. James says this, James 2, 
19. James says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You see, a disciple isn't simply one who believes in God, because even the devils believe in God. The disciple, it is, it is, it is your willingness to be connected with Jesus Christ that makes you a disciple. It's, a, it's one that to be, be identified with Jesus Christ. It's one that people, when they see you, they say, that person is a follower of Jesus Christ. How? Because that's all they teach. That's all they talk about. That's what they desire for my life. You see, someone that loves a place tells everyone else about that place. My, my wife and I went to uh, Chicago the, last week for our anniversary. It was our, our, we celebrate our 20th anniversary. It's next month, but we did it early um, because of the busyness of next month. And so we went, and, and, and everywhere we went that we gave them our, our, whether it's a hotel or dinner, wherever we went that we had to give them our email address. Do you know what? I've gotten so many surveys back since we've been back in just a short amount of time. You know what one of the questions have? Will you tell somebody... Well, how likely are you to tell somebody about your stay, about this restaurant, about this experience? Why? Because they know this. If somebody that's a part of that or has seen it and it has benefited them, they know they're going to tell someone else. And that's what heaven should be like for the disciple. It's something that we are excited about. It's something that we rejoice in. It's something I'm connected to. I'm connected with Christ. I love Christ. And I can't do anything but speak of Christ. My goal is this. Every single person that I come in contact with will be able to receive heaven. Because the alternative is horrible. So why wouldn't I tell them if my focus is on heaven, seeking first the kingdom of God, my focus is right, realizing, yes, there is a commitment, then I will understand, though, I will be willing to face that commitment because I want everyone to experience heaven. And with carrying this cross, every day you put on your cross and you make it clear you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Every single day we are to carry that cross because that cross identifies that we are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is willing to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about in Romans 10, 9. I I think I, was it Easter Sunday? I kept saying Romans 10, 19. But Romans 10.9 is the proper, proper verse. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that, that, that confession is a, is a willing to publicly confess Jesus. Do you realize through baptism, through carrying a cross daily, through discipleship, you know what Christ is desiring for believers, commanding believers, our responsibility as believers is to live a daily life, a life every day where we are publicly confessing we're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why baptism, baptism, we know it doesn't save a person. What does it do? It shows everyone that's around, they are publicly identifying themselves with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm identifying myself with Christ. A disciple should live a life, a Christian should live a life of a disciple because a disciple 
lives a life daily where they are identifying every area of their life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You see, you can be saved and not tell anybody about Jesus. But you can't be a disciple and be quiet. Because a disciple is a public display, a public confession of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're not only a Christian going to heaven, but we're a representative with heaven's power here upon this earth. And my time is finished. Write this down if you would. Matthew chapter 16. Would you, would you read this on your own? Um, Jesus, he's explaining in verse number 21 about I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again on the third day. And what does Peter say in that passage of scripture? Uh, Peter corrects Jesus. He, he, he rebukes Jesus, the Bible says, and, and says, that's not what you're going to do. Je Peter literally rebukes Christ and says, what you're going to do isn't going to happen. And what did, what did Jesus answer to Peter? He says this, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. He calls him Satan and a stumbling block. And let me just say this and I'm done. And, and, and I want you to, if you would, maybe sometime this week, go back and read Matthew 16 in that context of this thought, disciples don't get in God's way because it doesn't fit their plan or ideas. Disciples simply follow Christ. That means this, God allows your life, he puts you in your neighborhood, he puts you with your family, he puts you at your job, he puts you in the circumstances you have, he gave you the health that you have. None of what you have is a mistake. It's all about God's plan so that you can be a disciple to all of those he brings into your life. I had this conversation with Suzanne Sears. And this changes everything. She says, when I go to the hospital, I realize that I may be sick in that hospital room right there because there's a nurse or a doctor that's coming in to see me that needs to hear the gospel. That's how a disciple thinks. The disciple doesn't say, well, there's a plan. And, and no, no, I'm not going to follow this plan. This plan can't be right. No, a disciple doesn't get in God's way because it doesn't fit their idea or what life should be like. A disciple says, all right, God, this is the life you have. This is what you're saying. I'm just going to honor Christ and bring glory to him in this situation. So whether it's my job that I, I, I hate this job, I can't believe I'm there at this job. Well, maybe if you saw that you're there at that job because God wants you to be a disciple, you wouldn't hate the things that you hate because you would see that your job isn't about you. It's about bringing glory and honor to Jesus Christ. You see, when we look at circumstances in our life and we get upset with what the circumstance does for me, we forget that that circumstance is supposed to be your place to bring the gospel to whoever is coming into your life because of that circumstance. Does that make sense? It, it twists everything around. It takes aggravation out. It takes dismay out. It takes complaining out. It takes rebuking God. Like Peter said to Jesus, what you just said is wrong, and I'm not going to let it happen. How in the world could Peter do that? It's the same thing we do when God puts us in a place and we say, I don't like this. God, your plan isn't right. 
because you don't like it? We miss the opportunity to bring glory to God. How does a disciple bring glory to the Father? Testifying of his Son. Does that make sense? It takes aggravation out of things. It takes selfishness out of things. And it says, I'm a representative. The people back home, they're allowed to send me anywhere. I don't decide where they send me. I decide where they send me. I'm going to represent heaven. You don't get to decide where God sends you. Your choice in the matter ought to be where God you send me. I'm a disciple. Let's pray. Father, thank you for...